Yes, it's great to have you here. Thank you for coming out, even though there's a little bit of snow on the ground. Praise the Lord that most of it melted off before, before uh, Sunday school this morning. And it's great to be able to gather together uh, to worship the Lord this morning. A couple of announcements to share with you. Uh, this Wednesday is the Iwana Grand Prix at 6.30. Parents of Clubbers must attend. Um, there's no Iwana meal. Next week, Mike Snavely is here. Um, very excited about that. Please take note that there's no uh, children's Sunday school that day. Um, we're all going to be meeting for Sunday school together. Also, there is no um, junior church that day. There will be Sunday school or, or children's church for the little guys, but no junior church for the older students. That'll all be in the bulletin um, next week. Youth group and prayer meeting are tonight as scheduled. And uh, let's open our service with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you that we're able to gather together this morning. God, you're such a good God. Lord, we're so thankful for uh, the men that came out to plow and to shovel the sidewalks, Lord, that we're able to meet together this morning. Lord, we ask that you would move in this service. Father, speak truth into our hearts and to our souls. In Jesus' name we pray.
few moments to stand up, to step out, turn around, shake a hand. Welcome those around you to our service this morning. All right, well, if you take your hymn books, if you would, please, and turn with me to hymn number two. Hymn number two, Almighty Father, Strong to Save. Let's sing this song together. Thank you. 
I refer to our um, prayer ministry list. Uh, before I mention this, uh, a ring, a lady's ring, was handed to me earlier this morning, found in the lady's room. Uh, had like a black stone and a little like diamond in the middle. So if, um, if you lost that, um, please let me know. Who did? You lost it. Pete Rank has it. <laughs> it's right back there by the sound room. You can get it later. You don't have to go back now. You can get it later. That'll be fine. That'll be fine. All right, good. We don't have to put that in lost and found. A um, couple of announcements I do need to make. Um, there's a funeral tomorrow. Uh, Lee Warner. This is Dale Warner's uh, brother who passed away. So um, please keep the family in prayer. Uh, he was uh, having heart issues. We've been praying for him for uh, some time now, but um, the funeral is going to be tomorrow. He's with the Lord, and so that brings us great hope. Uh, there also was a funeral yesterday. I know some of you were here. Um, Jan Hoffner's father, uh, mother passed away, and um, she was, uh, the funeral was here yesterday uh, morning. So keep Jan in prayer um, as uh, they have this loss as well. We've been mentioning Wayne Mace, who has uh, been deported now to Germany, deployed to Germany uh, for about, <laughs> sorry, for about four months. I believe somewhere in those four months he's going to Africa as well. I'm not sure the time frame of that, uh, but right now there's a lot, there's communication uh, between him and his family. Uh, there's open communication. Uh, Heidi said that when he does go to Africa, that might change, uh, so we're just not sure. Also pray for Helen Hoffman, uh, Sue Miller's mother, who uh, had some foot surgery this past week and um, is not to be walking on her foot. It was underneath, and so uh, that's certainly a, a wrong place, although she does have a walking cast, I know, and is able to walk a little bit. Um, so keep um, Helen in your prayers. And she, I saw her this week, she wants me to thank you from the bottom of her heart, you know, for your prayers. Uh, she was very appreciative of those. And so she wanted me to convey that uh, to all of you. So now, Father, as we come before you, we are thankful that um, you are a great and wonderful God. That, Father, you're able to do above and beyond what we can ask or think. And so, Lord, when we come before you and we bring our requests, Lord, we know that you have great things in store. Father, it's amazing to us that you, as the sovereign God of the universe, would take time to visit us and to listen to us and to answer our prayers. Father, we thank you for that. And so we come before you this morning with great confidence, knowing, Lord, that you care for us and that we, in turn, are to cast our cares upon you. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Father, apart from you choosing that, we would not know you. Father, you have revealed yourself in what you have made, in your creation. The Bible says the heavens, they, they declare, they proclaim the glory of God. Lord, we even see you in the snowfall, in the sun that shines, the mountains, the rivers, the valleys. Lord, you revealed yourself in all of these things that you have created. But Father, you have specifically revealed yourself in your word. It's in the Bible, Lord, that we find salvation. It's in the Bible that we find hope. It's in the Bible, Lord, that we know of your great love in sending Jesus into this world to die for us and to save us from our sins. And so, Father, we thank you that you're not just a God that is way out there. You are that. You are holy, holy, holy. You are transcendent. 
you're so separate from us. And yet, Lord, you've chosen to come into our world in the person of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to do that so that we might have eternal life. Father, we pray for comfort for those who have lost loved ones recently. We think of Jan and we think of Dale. One has lost a mother. One has lost a brother. Father, we pray that your grace might be sufficient in their lives. And we are thankful, Lord, this morning for the hope that you have given to us and given to them because Jan's mother is in your presence and Lee Warner is in your presence. And Father, we know this because you have spoken in your word that to be absent from this body is to be in your very presence. We thank you for that wonderful hope that is all of ours, the assurance that is ours, knowing that we are your children. Lord, I pray for the Mace family. Very difficult situation to be separated from a husband, from a father, and for Wayne to be away from his family for this amount of time. Lord, bring grace into their lives. Father, we also think of Helen Hoffman at this time, and we pray that the foot might heal very quickly, that she might be able to get up, be able to get up and around even sooner than expected. Father, we think of Mike Snavely coming to us next week. There's a man, Lord, who has been here before. The Lord, he has such good things to say about the origin of the earth. Father, things we need to hear. In the world in which we live, and we're told that, Father, we evolved, that we have come from a, a lesser order of life. And Father, we're thankful for men like Mike Snavely who, who stand up for truth, who stand up and say, we have been created by an almighty God in his image. And so I pray for the weekend. Father, I pray for the weather. Lord, at times this time of year, we aren't sure what you're planning to send, but we pray for the weather next Sunday and Saturday evening that, Father, we might be able to come. He might be able to travel from home. So we commit all of this to you. And again, we thank you for bringing us here today. Father, yes, the snow fell last night, but, Father, we're thankful for the sun this morning. Father, we have come to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray that you might remove distractions, remove, Lord, those things that we carry oftentimes to the church, and help us, Lord, to be able to focus on those things that are before us. Again, speak, Lord. Take your word and speak. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us. We sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a
and compassion for the one the one for whom you loved and gave your son for humanity increase my love let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one The one for whom you loved and gave your son for humanity Increase my love And help me to love with open arms like you do all the lines and sees the truth oh that when they look in my eyes they watch you even in just a smile they would feel the father's love oh how you love from the homeless to the famous and in between You formed us, you made us carefully Cause in the end, we are your children and Help me to love with open arms like you do 
A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they was you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. So let all my life tell of who you are And the wonder of your never-ending love Oh, let all my life tell of who you are That you're wonderful and such a good father so let all my life tell of who you are And the wonder of your never-ending love Let all my life tell of who you are That you're wonderful and such a good father you're wonderful and such a good father. Help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Lord, we ask that you would help us to love like you do. In Jesus' name. Jesus has a lot of hard things to say. Sometimes it's hard to swallow everything Jesus has to say, let alone trying to do what Jesus has to say. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and it's really just a small sampling that we've been looking at. Um, we looked in chapter 5, and there Jesus said, don't be angry. How do you do that? How do you do that with road rage and crazy dictators in the world? Last week, Pastor Tony shared the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry. Don't worry. Are you kidding me? Our kids go to school and are not safe. How do you not worry? This morning in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, don't judge. You know, apart from the Spirit of God in us, we can't do these things. These are things only possible as we allow God to live through us. In our strength, we cannot do what Jesus says we are to do. You know, one of the biggest criticisms of the churches today is this. They are so judgmental. Those people in that church, they, they think they're so holy. They're hypocrites. They think they're so better than we are. You know, this was the very criticism that Jesus had of the Pharisees. This was why the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was trying to refute the Pharisees and their teachings. The Pharisees, they 
did think they were holier than thou. As a matter of fact, one of the Pharisees stood up one day and he said this, God, I thank you that I am not like everybody else. That was their thinking. And outwardly, Jesus said they were like whitewashed tombs. They look good. But inside, they were like dead men's bones. That's what a hypocrite is. He's something on the outside that he's not on the inside. He's so different as the world sees him. But he has this heart that is corrupt and filthy. And so when Jesus says, do not judge, He's saying, don't have that judgmental attitude. Don't have a spirit that is so critical of others. Always seeing faults in everyone else. Jesus uses a kind of a humorous illustration. We call it the plank in the eye disease. The plank in the eye disease where you can see the splinter and the little speck in everybody else, but you don't see the large plank in your own eye. You know, the writer Jeremiah back in chapter 17 says, the heart is deceitful and desperately, desperately wicked. Years ago when I was into the cassette tapes, Remember them? They're only about this big, little thin things. And I was in a, actually a library, a cassette library. It was kind of a subscription service. And I even forget the name of it, but I would get four cassettes in the mail. I'd listen to them through the week. I'd send them back, and they'd send me four new ones. I did this for years. And just would listen to cassettes over and over and over and over again. With little earplugs in my, or, yeah, earplugs in my ears. But I can remember a few of them. <laughs> Not many anymore, but I can remember a few. And one of the cassettes that I remember having was a pastor by the name of Donald Gray Barnhouse. He's with the Lord now. He pastored the 10th Presbyterian Church down in Philadelphia. He was um, followed by James Montgomery Boyce. Maybe that name rings a bell. I believe he's actually with the Lord now. We're going back a few years. And he used the psalm, one of the psalms, and I forget which one it was, and the title of the sermon was this, Don't Play God for Others. Don't Play God for Others. And the whole sermon was about not judging others, not having that critical spirit, not being judgmental, not always looking at the faults of others and not seeing them in yourself. Don't play God. You're not a judge. <laughs> you don't have the ability to be a judge. And so the sermon said, who are you? that you think you can criticize someone else? Who in the world do you think you are? Don't play God. This is God's role. God is judge. Not you. Not me. And we're going to look. It's a dangerous thing to step into God's shoes and judge others. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Uh, as I said, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he started in chapter 5. He went through chapter 6. Now we come to chapter 7. And chapter 7 begins this way. These are the words of Jesus. And Jesus says to his disciples there on the mountain, he says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye 
and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. And if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Point number one is this. Don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. When Jesus says don't judge, he doesn't mean don't ever judge. And we're going to look at that when we get to point number three. The word that is used here and what Jesus is describing is don't have a judgmental attitude. He's not saying to put your critical facilities on hold and just turn a blind eye to sin. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying don't have a spirit of fault finding. Don't pick people apart. Don't always have that negative and critical opinion toward other people. Don't make quick interpretations of a person's motives. Don't read between the lines and assume the worst and jump to those inaccurate conclusions. Jesus says stop that. Just stop that. You know, years ago, you ever like to, when you get older, you like to think back over the days that you've grown up and you remember these different things. I, I can remember when I was 14-ish. <laughs> I'm plus or minus. I don't know if I'm exactly right in that age. But I was a young teenager and um, we lived in Millersburg and uh, my grandma and grandpa, they lived right down the street and you know, you could walk everywhere in Millersburg. I was one of the town kids and so we would walk down to grandma and grandpa's and they raised my cousin their granddaughter. And she had parked out front of the house along the curb a Corvair. I think it almost looked like that. Now you can correct me, but I think this is a 64. And um, I think it was probably about a 64-ish. <laughs> Plus or minus. Alright. So I'm 14, this is a 64, which doing the math, I was born in 1950, and, but I, I'm 14 years old, and this would sit out, there's even snow on the ground, this would sit out along the curb, and we would go to see Grandma and Grandpa, and I say to my cousin, can I just go sit in your car? Now you know, at, a, at a, a young age, at 14 years of old age, just to sit in a car and pretend you're driving, and I would sit in this car for for a long time as we would go and visit with him. And I, I would just, you know, look at the gauges and turn the wheel a little bit. I thought, wow, I mean, someday, maybe not today, but someday. But do you know that for me as a 14-year-old or any child to sit behind a car and drive a moving vehicle? First of all, I, I would have been qualified, right? I had no license. I wouldn't have been able to drive. I've never driven a car like this on, on the high. Thirdly, it would be dangerous. Now let's take that and apply it to Jesus' words when he says, do not judge. Because I believe we see some of the same reasons that a child should not be sitting behind the wheel of a moving car when we think somehow we can sit in the seat of judgment, the seat in which belongs to God alone. First of all, you're not qualified. You're not qualified to judge. You have no license to judge. It is God's job. How dare you jump into God's seat and think that somehow you are qualified to judge other people? You know what? Paul said in Romans chapter 14, you who are a, you, who, here, 
Who are you to judge God's servants? That's Paul's question. Romans 14, 4. Who are you to judge God's servants? They are responsible to the Lord. So let him tell them whether they're right or wrong. Who are, how, what qualifications do we have to judge someone else? And then secondly, we're not able. We're not able to sit in the seat of judgment. No person has that ability to be able to do that. You don't know everything there is to know about that person. You can't look inside their mind, inside their intents or motives. You're not able to judge another. We never have all the facts. And thirdly, it's dangerous. Did you hear what I said in verse 1? Jesus said, don't judge or this is what's going to happen. Now listen to this. Or you will be judged. Now we all know that we will be someday, right? We must give an account. We will someday stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. But have you ever wondered, what is the standard? Listen to this. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, there's a couple ways to interpret this. One is this way. If you're critical of others, they're going to be critical of you. It's going to come right back at you. I have a book by uh, Oswald Chambers, and um, I like what he says. Listen to what, what he says. Uh, this statement of our Lord's, referring to this verse right here, this statement of our Lord's is not a haphazard guess. It is an eternal law that works from God's throne right down. So it's not like you can say, well, if I'm critical of others, maybe they'll be critical of me. No, Jesus is saying they will be critical of you. You slander them, you can assure yourself they're going to be slandering you. If you gossip about them, you can bet on it that they will gossip about you. It comes right back at you. He says this is an eternal law from God that works right down from the throne of God. The measure you use is going to be measured to you. Jesus speaks of it here in connection with criticism. If you have been shrewd in finding out the defects of others, that will be exactly the measure used against you. People will judge you in the same way you judge them. If you melt out criticism and suspicion of others, that is the way you will be treated. So, he says that's an eternal law. You, you don't have to guess at that. If you, you're going to be treated the way people treat you. Now, Jesus may mean that, or, and I believe it probably is this second interpretation, the standard of judgment that you apply to others, God someday will apply to you. That's referring to God's judgment that comes back on you. And when we sit in the seat of judgment, the standard we use for others God someday will use against us. Now listen, I don't understand all this. I don't understand how all that plays out. But this, to me, is one of the most alarming statements in all God's word. That the standards you use to be critical of others, someday God uses that very same standard against you. Do you want that? Do you really want God to judge you the way you judge others? You really want to stand before God someday and explain that? And so when you play God and you put yourself in the position that belongs to God alone, you better think through what that means. What does that mean? And how is that going to play out when someday we stand before God? I have another book that I've been using, uh, Martin Lord-Jones. 
And uh, I just want to read a portion of what he says in this commentator as commentary as well. Because when we speak of judgment, um, please don't think that it's a judgment that determines salvation, right? We, we know that salvation is determined here on earth. You've trusted Christ, you put your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, and you are saved by God's grace. And you're on your way to heaven, right? That doesn't change that relationship. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Once saved, always saved. That's what we believe in this church, eternal security. Once you're a child of the king, you can't, that relationship can't change. No one can pluck you out of your father's hand. But, now listen to what he says. This is not to determine our eternal destiny. Speaking of this judgment, it doesn't determine our eternal destiny. It is not a judgment which decides whether we go to heaven or hell. No, no. We have passed through that. But, it is a judgment which is going to affect our eternal destiny. You know we get rewards someday, right? God's going to hand out rewards on Judgment Day, but some won't get rewards. And all of those things affect, not determine our eternal destiny. We're on our way to heaven. But he says, this judgment affects our eternal destiny. Not by determining whether it's heaven or hell, but by deciding what happens to us in the realm of glory. We are not given any further details about this in Scripture, but that there is a judgment of believers is very clearly and specifically taught. So we don't have all the details, but when I read a statement like verse 1, it's, it's, a, it's alarming to me. When I look at others and I'm critical of them and, and God is going to use the standard I put on them to be judged myself. Don't play God. Secondly, he says, don't be hypocritical. Don't be, hypocr don't be like the Pharisees. See, he was always talking about the Pharisees and saying how much they were hypocrites because on the outside they looked good, on the inside they looked very, very bad. And then Jesus uses this famous speck and plank illustration. And you've all heard it before, you know, the speck and the plank. You know, you, you see the speck in somebody else's eye and you're, you're critical of their small flaws, but you never see the big plank in your own eye. You see, what's hypocritical is pointing out others' faults when you ignore your own. And you can't see your own. You don't see what needs change in your own heart. What a contrast. Do you see the contrast? You know, a splinter, a piece of sawdust <laughs> versus a big log or a timber. And isn't that often the case of those who are judgmental and critical? Deep down in, there's something wrong. There's a plank that they can't see. The hypocrite has this false appearance, but the heart is corrupt. The Pharisee stood up and said, I thank God, as he looks over all mankind, I thank you, God, that I'm not like one of them. That's hypocritical. To be critical of others, to be judgmental, is an abomination in the sight of God. You know, if this subject wasn't so serious, you'd look at this illustration and you would find humor, would you not? <laughs> That's crazy, right? I mean, this is what Jesus just said. This is this plank in the eye uh, disease. You, you laugh at that, but this matter is so serious. You remember the um, woman that was caught in adultery? Remember the Pharisees caught this woman in adultery and they, in John chapter 8 and bring this woman to Jesus, wanting Jesus to judge her? And what does Jesus say? Let you who have not sinned, you throw the first stone. You see, he was trying to get them to see their own sin and they couldn't see it. First take the plank out of your own eye. He says that in verse 5. 
Take this, this plank out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly. You see, up to that point, everything is blurred. A corrupt and wicked heart blurs everything. You can't see clearly. Take this big plank out of your own eye, and then you can see the small flaws in someone else. Clean up your heart, Jesus is saying. Deal with your own sins and faults. And stop pointing out the small flaws in someone else. Stop being hypocritical. Stop being like a Pharisee. Woe to you Pharisees. But then we have verse 6. Then we have verse 6. And it comes on the heels of Jesus saying, don't judge. Almost in the same breath, Jesus says this. Do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you apart. So if we're not to judge, as Jesus said, then who determines who the dogs or the pigs are? See, when Jesus says don't judge, he's not saying don't judge <laughs> in every area right he's saying don't have that judgmental spirit don't be critical but here you have to determine okay who are the dogs that we're not to throw our and the pigs that we are not to throw our pearls to you know the early church you know what they did with this verse the early church took this verse to determine who could partake in communion or not so in the early church, they determined, the leadership determined, okay, you can take communion and you can't take communion. You're not a Christian, you can't take it, you are, so you can. You're backslidden, so you can't take communion, and you're not, so you can. Now, I, I agree with that. You know, I believe communion is for Christians and not for those who are living in sin. But the early church would discern Maybe we ought not use the word judge. They were to discern who it was that was to take communion. You see, I believe when Jesus speaks in verse 6, he's speaking about discernment, which is okay. We need to discern, right? There's things that we need to discern. We need to see clearly, however. We need to remove the plank so that we're able to discern. It's impossible to even be discerning with sin and planks in our hearts because we're blurred. Everything's blurred. Everything's we can't see clearly. So Jesus sees a difference between judgment and discernment. We're not to be hypocritical judges, but there's a place for discerning the swine unless we cast them the pearls. Now, these aren't pet dogs. When it speaks of dogs in the Bible, it's a, a scavenger, a fierce, dangerous animal, almost half wild. And the pigs were always thought to be uh, as unclean and unholy animals. And neither of these animals would appreciate the value of a piece of jewelry thrown at them. This text is often applied to the sharing of the gospel. And you probably have heard it in that context. The dogs and pigs represent those who ridicule and reject and blaspheme the gospel. The precious news of, news of Jesus. Someone repeatedly shares the gospel with someone and they continually scoff at it and ridicule Christ. And that's like casting pearls to the swine. You remember when Jesus sent them out two by two? And Jesus said, when you go into the city, if they reject the gospel, shake the dust off your feet and move to a different town. That's kind of the idea here. Not casting your pearls to the swine. Now, don't misunderstand me. We're to preach the gospel. Don't misunderstand me. We're to share the good news of Jesus with everybody we come in contact with. Jesus, he ate with sinners. He ate with tax collectors. We're responsible as ambassadors 
in sharing the gospel. But our job isn't to force conversions. We're not to cram the gospel down people's throats. There's no sense in preaching the value of pearls to the swine. But this requires great, great spiritual discernment. So I come back to the title of the cassette tape I used to have in my cassette library. Don't play God for others. Don't play God. Don't think that somehow you can sit in his seat of judgment. You're not qualified. You're not able. Jesus says, stop being judgmental. Stop being a hypocrite. How can you even think to look at someone else and see a flaw when in your own eye there is this huge, huge plank? You see, what we all need to be concerned about is not somebody else but ourselves. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples here. Stop looking at others. They'll take care of themselves. You start looking at yourself. Look deep inside yourself. This is what the Pharisees didn't get. They didn't look inside their hearts, inside their minds, and see the corruption, and see the disease, and see the sin the sin that fills our hearts. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, that standard, it will, it will, there's no guessing here, it will be measured unto you. And so, Father, when we come before you this morning, we ask your forgiveness. Father, we have looked at some hard things these last few weeks. Father, we get angry so quickly. We worry about so many things. And Lord, we look at others so critically. Father, first of all, we as a congregation, we ask you to forgive us. Father, we have failed you in all of these areas. And clean our hearts. Lord, look deep inside of us. That there's stuff in there. Big stuff. Planks and logs and timbers. Deal with those in our lives. Father, you search us. And know us. And reveal to us the changes that must take place. Lord, your son said some tough stuff. But it's because he loves us. He wants us to be just like him. And Father, when there's corruption and evil and wickedness that rules our hearts, we can't be like him. So clean us up, Lord. Clean us up. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hymn number 385. Hymn number 385. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Let's sing all four stanzas. Let's stand. We'll sing this and we'll be, we'll be dismissed. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move. So I love at the end of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be 
grateful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing for my King, always own for my King. Take my lips and let them be thankful, Lord, for your spirit, your spirit who is the power within us to live the way you've called us to live. May we yield to that spirit and be molded to the image of your son. I pray in Jesus' name.